creating requires a lot of knowledge and learning along the way. You're not there to actually verify what you know. You're there to actually discover what you don't know. And so to me, Green Line is really about this notion of people observing it look like you're, seem like you're failing all the time, but when you're in it, it feels like you're learning all the time. And so make sure that you feel comfortable learning and describing the things you don't know, as opposed to trying to articulate what you know and, and figure out a way to verify what you know only. Welcome to the Circuit Breaker Podcast, where we challenge the status quo of innovation and new product development. We'll talk about tools and skills and methodologies used to build better products and make you a better consumer. I'm Bob Mesta, and I'm the co-founder of The Rewired Group, and I'm one of your co-hosts. And we're joined by Greg Engel, who is my co-founder and the chief Bob interpreter. Join us now as we trip the circuit and give you time to reset, reorganize, and recharge your brain to build better products. Hey, Bob. Hey, Greg. What's up, man? So today we're going to talk about something that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast for sure, but we haven't really talked about to our customers in a long time either. Yeah. Which is Redline Greenline. Oh, And yes. Redline Greenline is a uh, story, uh, a philosophy, a theory that you tell about how the Americans develop product and how the Japanese develop product when yeah. you were learning from Taguchi. Yeah, Taguchi and Deming and everybody. Yeah. So why do you think Redline Greenline is an important topic to talk about? Because I think it represents kind of the mindset differences between uh, two totally different approaches to product development and developing products. So it's, it wasn't really, I would say, U.S. versus Japan, but it was it started as this notion of why was Japan actually making big grounds on us in terms of the automotive market and, and that their development time was literally half of ours. So for every one car we would develop, they could develop two. And so it just became this notion of understanding kind of what's the... What are the method differences? What are the, you know? What are they doing differently? How are they thinking differently? And so it became this story around kind of the underlying philosophy of like how to approach product development. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of like how do you approach problems? Exactly. And the difference in the way people approach problems. Yep. And I think it still holds true today. There are some companies that approach problems completely different yep. than others. Yep. Uh, Apple versus somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Why don't you tell the story as quickly as possible, uh, which yes. is always a tough thing, Thank you. Uh, about what Redline Greenline is. Yep. So I was basically part of a team uh, at Ford in the mid-80s that basically, um, and I was literally, it started as an intern, but they went over and, and studied from Japan how they were developing products. So in the early 80s, it was all about product quality and bringing in Deming and process control. But in the mid to late 80s, it got to how do they develop products differently than we do? And so first of all, we went over and just kind of benchmarked. And one of the things is we benchmarked the number of design changes or changes to the product and or process, right? As it as you develop it and launch it. And one of the things we found when we compared like the Escort to the Corona was that the the number of design changes they were making early in the process of developing the product was almost like 10 times more prototypes than we would have, right? And the other thing we realized is that they were learning about how it worked and how it failed, where we would actually run tests to verify that it worked. And so it was just these very different kinds of approaches to going after that and seeing that. Right. And so what we found were things like Taguchi methods and we found things like quality function deployment and we found like these different tools and methods. But we also realized that there was a mindset difference as well. And so, you know, I think the best way to articulate it is, is that when 
when we heard the word process in the U.S. or at Ford, process meant that we would define the steps in the process and the process was sacred, meaning don't change it. It's like we're trying to actually figure out how to make scale and just repeat it over and over and over again. Where in Japan, the process was actually kind of the boundaries by which they could make improvements all the time. And so where we're trying to lock everything in, they're constantly making it, tweaking it, making it better. And so it's that foundation of continuous improvement, but now into a development realm. And, and we're going to put a visual in the show notes, um, and it's going to have a red line, green line. It's going to kind of show the difference from a pictorial sense. And, and what you actually see is in the more traditional process-driven approach, you see the line kind of, there's activity, then it kind of everybody's waiting for things, waiting for things, waiting for things, and then we launch, and then, oh, we have to fix everything, and then all that kind of stuff. And then in the other approach, in the Greenland approach, it's a lot of activity at the beginning. Yep. And then the activity starts slowing down towards launch. Right. And then launch happens. Yep. And there's really no need to go with a lot of more activity again because you've talked about the problems or, or different well, things. Well, and you've made trade-offs of what to accept and what not to accept and how to move past it. And what we would end up doing at Ford is we'd end up spending, we'd launch the product after seven years, and then we'd actually spend the next two years cost-reducing it. <laughs> and, or fixing bugs. Or, or fixing problems or bugs or whatever. But the, the notion is, is like, just make it work, and then oh, we'll, we'll figure out how to save money. And, and the, the design changes late in the process are... Anywhere from a hundred to a thousand to ten thousand dollars more X in terms of like if it was ten dollars, it's it's now a hundred thousand dollars to make that same change at different points in the process. And the Japanese seem to know that, and they realize that at some point it's very more important for us to explore and to not wait for things, but to make things happen, as opposed to what we would do is if as long as it worked in the lab and it was fine, then you know when it didn't work, it was everybody else's fault. <laughs> And I, I think you also, so you, you mentioned, I want to unpack a word you mentioned earlier is in when you were doing the benchmarking and you went to Japan and you did those things, you were doing prototypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we talked about prototypes in a past session. I don't even know when it was, but it was a while ago. And we talked about the different types of, of prototypes. Yep. So what kind of prototypes were they running? They, the, um, so they were, in most cases, they're prototyping to learn. So one of the things that Taguchi uh, taught me very early was something called design of experiments. And it was very interesting because the way that we would use it in the West was using design experiments to prove our hypotheses, right? Where in Japan, we're running the test because we don't know what's going to happen. And you start to realize, like, you pick very different factors. You pick very different levels. You pick, like, it's very, very different set of processes. And ultimately, this, the methods around it were all about learning and, and finding the limits and pushing ourselves to get there as opposed to just make it work. Yeah. So when people are listening to this podcast and they're thinking about it and they're in project development, whether it's software, hard goods, whatever it might be, the what we want them to, to kind of feel is if you're on the red line, you hear a lot of, well, I have to wait for X to do something before I can do it. Yep. Or if they only did it this way, I can make it better. Yep. You hear a lot of those types of things. Yep. When, you, when you're on the green line and, you, and you're managing a team on the green line or you're on a team on, in the green line, what you hear is, what are you working on? And then what can I go learn about right. whatever what, you're doing? What are the unknowns that what you are, have? How do I go forward? What are the variables you're working on? So I know the variables. So if, right. I'm a, if I'm a UX designer, I don't have to wait for all the stuff to be done. Right. I can be working on some UX part of it yes. before I know everything as long, as long as I know enough of what you're yep. doing. So one of the things one of the things we learned along the way was like we wouldn't actually start developing the transmission until the engine was done. 
right? And so it was all in series, right? And what we realized is we could actually develop the transmission in parallel with the engine and make sure that it actually that then we had to build some prototypes and integration prototypes. But ultimately, the fact is, is when we would develop the engine and then develop the transmission and then the engine would make a change, then that would have a ripple effect to the transmission and all the other things. And so you started to realize like at some point in time, we have to think about it differently. And one of the key things that Taguchi would talk about is robustness and the aspect of being able to actually think about your system as what you have control over and there's things that happen to it that you can't control and how do you make the system robust to those things you can't control. And so, for example, I can't control all the details of the engine, but the transmission should be able to work despite the fact that there's variation in the engine. Right. And and so I think when you think about Greenline, you're thinking about, you know, people working, informing each other what they're doing. Yes. But working in parallel. Yep. Um, learning not only for that project. Yep. But learning overall for themselves as well. Yep. So as they go to the next project, they're not starting over from zero. Yes. They're starting over from some point of, hey, I've solved a problem similar to this before. Right. I could take that knowledge over to the next project now. And so they, but the thing is, is that they actually had a separation between like what I learned in the last one is not absolute truth, but more I know, I know enough about it and I have a method to figure out how to figure out the best way for this transmission versus the other one. And so it would be this notion of like, Everyone is different, but I need to learn to figure out how to do it. And it was more about learning than about verifying. I, I'm not going to get this wrong, but with Taguchi, I, you've told me before, it's like if you were to tell him he was the expert, he'd be like, no, I'm not the expert. Right. The data or the, the system yeah. will tell me what the expert is. He, he'd always, yeah. I'm just here to be the voice of that. He would always say like, like, let's let the engine tell us what the best engine is as opposed to like find the expert who's the, who knows about engines. And, and what you realize is the empirical data and, and realizing like there's way more unknown than there is known and that the empirical data is way more important than the theoretical data in terms of building product. And continual learning is something that we preach all the time, right? Yep. You're like, we're still learning jobs we've done. <laughs> yes. Right. This, we're this, still. This is one of our, our challenges is as, as every time we go like, okay, here it is. It's like, no, no, no. We're going to tweak it this way and that way. And so we're always making it. Right. And it's not that we're changing the underlying philosophy. Nope. We're changing the way we deliver it to somebody or did they get it this way? So do we do it this way? We're always trying to prototype those things to make it more attainable to people, make it more real, make it more beneficial those types of things. But we're also learning every time you do an interview, you learn a little bit more about interviewing. That's right. So exactly. it's the same mentality. The green line mentality is, the same, is that mentality of I'm going to learn something new yep. every time I touch something, even though I did gum 50,000 times, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to learn something new. That's exactly right. And and what I learned before might, might or might not be relevant. And so it's that assumption that it's not re- like, I don't really know. So I have to actually kind of figure out what, what to learn about. And so that's, and how is it different? And and it, it allows you to actually have a very different mentality of instead of being wrong or right, it's the aspect of learning and constantly getting better. So what do you want, like people hear this conversation, what do you want them to take away from red line, green line? Like what, what's that moment that you're like, okay, I want you to take away this because it's really important. I think the biggest thing is it it relates back to imposter syndrome, right? Which is this aspect of like, company hires us because we're supposed to know how to do something. But the reality is like when we're building something new, we really don't know. We have a foundation, but we don't have that. And so to me, the takeaway should be is like part of our role as a developer or as an engineer or as head of product is to actually create. And that, to be honest, creating requires a lot of knowledge and learning along the way. 
and that you're not there to actually verify what you know. It, you're there to actually discover what you what you don't know. And so, to me, green, green line is really about this notion of being, again, people observing it look like you're seem like you're failing all the time, but when you're in it, it feels like you're learning all the time. And so, make sure that you feel comfortable learning and describing the things you don't know, as opposed to trying to articulate what you know and and figure out a way to verify what you know only. So. That's a very interesting thing, and I'm probably going to get too deep here. Um, but <laughs> you, we, you talk, we talk about unknowns all the time. Yes. But nobody knows what an unknown is. Yes. So when you say discover the unknowns, yes. How do you discover? I don't. How do you get? How do you? How do you discover an unknown? So part of it is you build something and you make it break. <laughs> right and you you figure out the thresholds of where it breaks and most people are like they don't want to make it break and my thing is is my job is to make it break so like we did a prototype where we uh on you know your next thing and and as we did it we said all right we're this next one we're going to do in two weeks we knew it was going to be too fast but we wanted to see how did it break and so we're learning about those kinds of things and instead of trying to you know figure out the optimal length it's like i need to know where is it too short and when is it too long so that's going to give me the, the thing of like what's the right pace at which to get people to do this you know to to do this process and that's one of the things that people have to get comfortable with is because from a societal from a, a hierarchical situation everybody wa- nobody wants to ever be wrong that's right and if you're doing things in innovation you're doing things in green line fashion you're going to be wrong. Or actually, you're not wrong. You're trying to figure out where those boundaries are, right? Exactly. But, but you're going to build something that's a failure. Right. Or breaks or doesn't work or whatever. Like right. we used to do experiments teaching RDOE with windmills. And yeah. there was times where it wouldn't even move. Right. Because we chose the wrong variables. Right. But But we need to know that. Where's the limit? Because maybe we could have made it work. And maybe it would be better if there was less, right? So you have to think about it. You have to change your mindset of, People think people look at you when you build something that doesn't work as a failure and it's a it's a personal thing and all these types of things, stuff. But if you, you listen to the quote you used with Taguchi, he wasn't taking personal responsibility. No. In fact, he was giving the system right. the personal responsibility. Right. He's just he the em- person- He was empowering the system to tell us what's best for it. He's the person putting it in different situations right. to tell him what to do. What, 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 like how it works. What's the causation? Ultimately, it was about the causation. And this is the difference between, you know, Deming used to debate George Box, who was a statistician, and Taguchi would always say, this is not about statistics. I only can make so many prototypes. And I know there's a statistical way to look at all that, but the reality is like, I have to be able to extract as much information as I can as quickly as I can. That's an engineer's job. Well, and that gets in a whole philosophical thing, right? Is, okay, I can have significant... Statistical significance, yes, but it's not important. It doesn't always work. It's not important. It doesn't right? always when it gets out in the public. Doesn't always yeah, work yeah, that yeah, way yeah. because of context. That's right. And what you're trying to do in in prototypes, you're pri- trying to put different systems in different contexts, in different variables, yep. to see all the different uh, ways things can work and what doesn't work. Because what works for one person in one context doesn't always work for somebody in the exactly. other context. Exactly. So you're always trying to do that. And I also think with red line, green line. What we're trying to get people to understand is be comfortable with the uncomfortable, which is also another ism that we yeah, use yeah, all the time. Yeah. It doesn't really mean a whole lot, but but it does. It's like uncomfortableness is failure. Uncomfortableness is admitting you don't know. Uncomfortable is the not knowing what this thing's going to do. There's a lot of people we've watched that some are successful, some aren't, that they won't build something unless they know what's going to happen. Right. That's right. 
Well, you need to be uncomfortable. You need to make yourself uncomfortable enough to build something that you don't know what's going to happen. And you need to be, I always describe you as the, well, now it's probably even younger, but I always described you as a 12-year-old on Christmas yes. that came down in the in the wonderment of all the presents and all That's the right. things going What's on. What's in the dirt. boxes, exactly. Right? It's the same thing when you're doing an experiment. It's the same thing when you're doing a prototype. It's it's You're trying to unpack that to see, oh, what worked, what didn't work. And it's not just the fail, not fail. That's not what you're looking at. You're looking at why did it fail? Why did it work? Those types of things are what you're really trying to get and to. And new theories only come from anomalies of things you couldn't explain. And so part of it is to realize, like, I'm actually trying to cause anomalies early in the development process so I know, one, where it breaks and understand why it breaks because at some point I'm going to be way smarter. So when we get to launch and we have a problem, I know exactly what to do to solve it. And the the other thing I want to talk about a little bit is, like, so people are listening and they're like, okay, great, red line, green line, whatever. But it's like, as you look at your teams or as you're on a team, how do you know you're on which one? Yep. And I talked about a little bit in the beginning, but when you're on the red line, you're waiting. A lot of times you're waiting. Yep. On the red line, you actually look very organized. Yeah. Like if I'm the manager looking at you, you look very organized. Everything's done. It's you, all checked up. We're just waiting for people to get done. You're just doing the next process. Or, or I know the next steps and here's what we're doing and here's the plan. Right. And you're giving, you're giving updates and you, and everything's moving on par and you're just, you're just going through the process and it's almost like the process is dictating the product. That's right. That's what it feels like or looks like. Well, on, and on there, the there becomes a level of confidence to say, like, like we can we can get this done, right? And 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 ultimately, the fact is, is I keep going like, okay, we haven't hit a roadblock in a while. We're either not pushing ourselves far enough, or the fact is, is like we're missing something, and it's going to come out of nowhere. Like it's that paranoia kind of part that you have to go like, I need to I need to test it in the real world before. I put it to the real world. So how do I actually simulate the real world for it so I understand it's going to really work there? Because most of the stuff is built in well, what I would say is laboratories or, or you know, workshops where you're, where, or, you know, coding. And it's like, uh, th- there's no testing to it. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, is it really going to work? You don't know. So, and then the other thing you see in, in a lot of Redline pro- projects is as you get closer to launch, things get busier. Yeah. Because you're integrating, you're, you're putting multiple well, things together. You're to your point of always. Now the timeline, now the time wall is real. The time I got to launch it. That's right. I got to deliver this well, piece of software. I got to do whatever. But here's the other part of the mentality of Redline is that when when it doesn't work, what you're trying to do is find the special cause, the one well, thing that that's after launch though. Yeah, so yeah but even I even, see a little bit of activity right before launch because everybody's scrambling. Oh my god, does it work? Yeah. But then it launches. Yeah. Then you're like, oh poop. Yeah, we got we got to fix this. We got to fix it that. It didn't work. <laughs> or it worked but we missed these five things and now I'm getting yep. error messages yep. or whatever it might be, right? Yep. You see more activity. Yep. When you're on the green line at the very beginning, yeah. you feel like everything's a mess. You actually feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, And you it, don't you embrace it uncomfortable because you don't know and you re, and you're willing to say we don't know. Right. And you're going to have some arguments up front between different people and different factions. If we take CPG, for an example, uh, people doing the formulation and people doing packaging, they might argue because they need to understand what people are doing, what each one's doing, because there are certain (laughs) things that a package needs to do if you have certain things in it or certain things can't go into certain things. So you're going to hear those debates. You're going to hear those types of things. And it's not people trying to be a jerk. Right. It's understanding so then I can go build my experiments. Because if I if you tell me there's going to be acid in something and I'm the yeah. packaging engineer, I need to know that. Right. And then I can go do a bunch of different things. And I can tell you, well, I can actually do something if you, as long as you stay below this amount. Right. 
So, I mean, the, the, one of the better examples is dishwashing soap, right? Somebody's like, okay, here's the temperature of the water that actually helps clean with this soap the best. You can't control it. Yeah. Some people use cold water to wash their dishes. Some people use really hot water. And the reality is I need to make sure it works in both. So instead of specifying, you know, it should be, you know, 120 degrees Fahrenheit to basically wash dishes or above, blah, 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 or 180 or whatever it is. It's like, no, I needed the soap to actually work under all water temperatures, right? And that becomes one of those things where it's like, well, that's not my job. It's like, mm, it is your job. And so on the green line, you're, you're going to see some activity. You're going to see some arguments. You're going to see a lot of, you should see a lot of prototypes. You should see a lot of different people with different ideas, competing ideas, um, there should be some debate. Should not be hostile. No. Should be actually educational. Curious, curious, like curious. You're going to see at some point the work, the chaos, kind of stop. And the chaos is a bad word for that. Yeah, but, but, the, but the knowledge starts to this, the knowledge starts to solidify that enables you to kind of have actually more and more rational trade off decisions. But it's usually before you would see a team on the red line kind of come to that. You're going to see the green line people. Okay, I've learned enough. Yep. Now we're integrating. Now we're doing all those things. And I'm not rushed to get to the to the end. Yep. I'm actually letting the end tell me how far I can go. Yep. Instead of saying the end, I have it's, to be done. It's fixed time and variable scope. Like I'm going to adjust the scope to fit into the time that I have. And then you should, I mean, every product has bugs and stuff. I mean, even if you're on the green line, it's not going to be perfect, right? But there shouldn't be as much. And one of the things we always talk about is it's cheaper to spend money early in the process yes. than it is late in the process yes, because we start making stupid trade-offs. But it's, yeah, but it's hard to actually understand the unknowns of what you should do up front. So a lot of cases, people just wait. Right. But on Greenline, you don't wait. No, so you don't. When, when you see the graphic that we're going to use, you're going to see, hey, it costs a lot. It costs a lot less here in the Greenline if we do all the work here because we, we have time. Yep. Right. We don't have to get uh, we don't have to get an experiment done in a day. Yep. We have two days, three days, five days, a week, three weeks, whatever. When you start getting up against that timeline, things start costing more because you know you're under time pressure, you're under different things, or you have to make it bigger or smaller or whatever. So those are the types of things we want you to take away from this. The other thing we want to want you to take away from this is, as always, with what we talk about, is be uncomfortable with the unknowns. Yep. Try to discover unknowns. Yep. But then also just try to always be seeking learning. Yep. Right. That's right. And that's really what green line to me really means. Yep. Um, and the quicker we can do that. The other thing I want to talk about a little bit before we go, and I know we're kind of longer than we normally are, um, is we knew it was a big topic. <laughs> there are no there there's no such thing as a completely red line or a completely green no, line. No, that's right. I was gonna I was gonna say that because at some point what we've been doing, like with some of the teams we work with, we ask them like Okay, where where are you on the red line, green line kind of continuum from zero to ten? You know, zero being red line and ten being green line. And then ultimately, what are two or three things you can do to make you more green line? And and so it's this migration from red line to green line because it's 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 just not possible to change the entire organization's behavior at once. And so it's about actually finding the three or four things you can do on this project to make yourself more green line and how to budget and to build the skills and the methods to help you be more green line, which well, are very different sets of tools. Sometimes context makes me have to follow a process. Yes. Because of where we're at Regulation, or what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Right. So just keep that in mind. And then just as the homework we normally give, uh, I think a couple things this time is first off, just I want people to think back on a project they did and have the, you know, where where do they think they were? Right. Were they red line, green line, why? 
Right. Um, and the other thing is, how do you actually help yourself or a team member get comfortable with that uncomfortableness? Yeah. How do you create that environment that makes it okay? To ask the questions. To, to be ask the tough questions, right? That's right. That, what I find is the teams that can ask the, the hardest questions to themselves is typically the team that's, that's going to make the progress fastest. So I think that's really the homework for this one. Yep. Um, so as always, thank you for listening, and we hope to see you on the next one. Thanks, Greg. See you. Thanks for listening to the Circuit Breaker Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. If you know somebody who's stuck on the innovation treadmill, please share it. If you'd like to learn more information, visit us at therewiredgroup.com to find out how we work, how we can help, some resources, some books, some software. Join us next time as we trip the circuit breaker to help you recharge, re-energize, and refocus your new product development.